Welcome to Your Truth Revealed podcast, helping you experience empowered healing. I'm Erica Marcoux, and with a master's in counseling psychology, I share with you the power of self-knowledge, exploring your hidden physical and mental health potential. I'm eager to share how I'm healing from chronic Lyme disease as I interview helping professionals. I share my journey because now more than ever, collectively, we are suffering from chronic inflammation, fatigue, and anxiety. I provide reasons why and how to thrive once again. In this episode, Dr. Tanisha Wards reveals the many tests she requested I take and the surprising results of these tests. Here's a quote from Tanisha about Lyme disease. It is a bacteria under a microscope. It can hide and go dormant like a virus but it attacks your body like a parasite does. It attacks the central nervous system and it can build something called a biofilm, which is essentially a shell around it for protection. They're smart. I've almost learned to respect them. Tanisha is a functional medicine doctor. She personally healed from Lyme disease, the Epstein-Barr virus and Hashimoto's. From her training with top doctors in the US and her personal experience, she treats her patients holistically. Listen in, as you may want to take the same tests and find out your results. Hi, Tanisha. Hello. Good morning. Good morning. How are you doing today? I'm doing great. I'm really happy to come back and dive into today. And you just got back into town. I was in Boulder and we had a good time. That would have been a hard trip a year ago. That's a huge win. Congratulations. Thank you. We went over in the last episode how you ended up in the office the symptoms, the illness, everything that was leading up to finding out what the heck this medical mystery was. We're going to reenact the second visit where we revealed everything. Yeah. And I did a bunch of tests and most of these were from home. I had to go get the blood work at LabCorp. Uh Then I did the adrenal test, stool test, And the brain chemistry test, which was cool because I had done that several years prior. So we already had that to look at and contrast. Then the mold test of both myself and my house, a DNA test, and lastly, the Lyme test. These tests are definitely not mainstream medicine, and I really think they should be. These are samples of your body. This is where we find the root causes, and that's what's missing in a lot of Western medicine labs, they sometimes don't dig this deep. The purpose of the first visit is hearing your story, figuring out what direction I think we need to dig into. When something comes back on the test, I'm excited. We found something. We know what we're dealing with. How did you feel coming into the second visit? This was the only hope I had. I had gone to many doctors. I had really been working on this for like five years. So there was a lot of hope going in to the second appointment, but at the same time, some trepidation because I just didn't really know what we were going to uncover. I love that you say that. And that keeps me so humble that it's your last hope. Yeah. And I purposely brought my husband and my daughter because I wanted them to hear it. I knew that I wasn't going to be able to absorb it all. Mm -hmm. My cognition was pretty bad. And I especially wanted David to be there to track it. And I recorded it so that I could go back and listen to it again. There's also a steep learning curve. A lot of this information was brand new to me. I'd love to dive into my diagnosis. Yes. 
right before the report of findings, I take a step back and put them in the order I want to explain them, in the order I want to fix them. I leave the best one for last sometimes with the Lyme because that was kind of the biggest diagnosis. That makes sense. All of this was so new to me. Anyway, I wouldn't have known the difference. And I think the biggest take home of the healing arts is we have to do the right things in the right order for the body to heal. The reason why I like to start with explaining the blood work is it gives me a 360 degree view of what could be going on. We run 55 different lab markers, which is probably a third more than your traditional checkup. We're definitely digging into deeper things. And I'm a data nerd. The more data, the better. I even look at it as you've got symptoms. That's your check engine light. Let's lift the hood, do a diagnostic evaluation, run the little machine that your mechanic cooks up to your engine and figure out what the heck's going on. And that's what these labs tell me. And the second visit is kind of the mechanic coming out and saying, all right. (laughs) this is what we found and this is what we got to (laughs) do. And that's essentially the process. In your blood, we found a couple things. Hypoglycemia was present. Your fasting glucose was pretty low. You had multiple markers for something called hypochlorhydria. Hypo means low. Chlorhydria is hydrochloric acid. So low stomach acid. I'm an A negative blood type. And I believe that we have a tendency to have low stomach acid. That is true. I have studied a lot of ancestral medicine. A's have low stomach acid. They don't digest meat well, so they often need enzymes. I'm an O. O's are meat eaters. I've gone plant-based and I want to rip somebody's head off day three. Just (laughs) give me a flipping hamburger. I've seen a lot of the blood type stuff really turn out to be true with my patients. Mm -hmm. Then the good news is at this point, your liver looked good. Iron looked good here. Your cholesterol was a little high. Your HDL was pretty good. But when we see LDL a little high and HDL a little low, that tells me the liver could be stressed. The liver breaks down cholesterol. And if it's not breaking it down fast enough, we were seeing a pattern of going towards liver stress. The bigger ones was your C-reactive protein. That is what I was able to see with the blood work that I did with the allergy doctor. That spun me into an internet search that I quickly had to stop. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> yeah, because it even says it on LabCorp's lab, anything above three, which yours was 6.74, tells me there's inflammation in the body and it could be affecting the heart and relative risk or increased risk for cardiovascular event. Well, that is a heart attack, right? Yeah. I see people every week with the C-reactive protein in the 20s and 30s. I try to help calm the person. Yes, there's inflammation around the heart and we can do something about it now. We knew whatever is going on with you, it's affecting the heart. Mm -hmm. And then homocysteine tells us more systemic inflammation affecting the nervous system. It's neurological stress. And what was my score on that? 7.7. So not terrible. We want to see it below seven. Western medicine has something called a pathological range. Pathology is a synonym for disease. So if it's out of that range, it's a disease state. We look at in functional medicine, a functional range. So it's a much tighter, smaller Mm -hmm. range. And if it's out of that range, it may not be a disease state yet. And it tells us the body's not functioning as well as it could. Why would we not stop that and get our body to function the best it can? And that's why I love functional medicine. I was looking at my blood work before I met you. I had in my mind that I might have lupus. It was terrifying. You came with some labs, which is always helpful. And one of your labs had a positive ANA. It tells us there's some autoimmunity. Oftentimes it is lupus, but not always. 
I've seen Lyme trigger that antibody to spike, even though Lyme is not an autoimmune disorder. And then that Steam-Barr virus, which I remember you saying I had mono twice in my life, which is kind of unusual. A lot of people have it once. You had to have had mono to later have Epstein-Barr virus. The difference is mono is very much flu, achy joints, fever in bed. When it comes back as EBV, Epstein-Barr virus, it's really just fatigue and brain fog. But it's a different kind of fatigue. I actually have had Epstein-Barr virus positive in my life. That's how I felt. And it was the kind of fatigue where I didn't know if I could get through the moment. Yeah. So like I would start cooking and I didn't know if I could have enough energy to complete the task and then eat it. It was that difficult. Yes. The good news in your blood labs is your liver enzymes did look good, even though the cholesterol was starting to creep up. Your vitamin D was great. What is interesting is your white blood cells were fine. And this is where I think stealth, we call them stealth pathogens. When you first get exposed, the white blood cells go up. And the analogy I like to use for that is we sent in the Marines. That tells me it's a new infection. You're dealing with it right now. You're probably sick. And then after you've been sick, if it is something that's chronic like Lyme disease, the white blood cells start to fall. The Marines have died. The bugs oh, have, no. The bugs have killed a large population of them and they go down. If at that point the infection still isn't treated, the body will start to make more white blood cells and you can get a snapshot in your blood where your white blood cells look fine, but yet you've been sick for years. That's again why I think some of these infections get missed because the body's ability to adapt is amazing. Things like Lyme can slip through so many doctors, it gets missed because your white blood cells looked okay. All right. To review the blood work, it showed markers for low stomach acid, somewhat high cholesterol, inflammation, and the Epstein-Barr virus. Yeah. We went over the blood, and next we went over the adrenal test. It's a saliva test that measures cortisol, which comes from your adrenal glands, over a 24-hour period. We saw some markers for adrenal fatigue. Your circadian rhythms were off. It's the rhythm we should be in. We should rise at sunrise and be full of energy and it should slowly decline through the evening. Your cortisol was very low in the morning, got a little energy mid-afternoon, and then it tanked later afternoon. And then in the evening, you got the second wind. The adrenal glands are two tiny quarter-sized glands that sit on top of the kidneys. On top of the adrenal glands are your sodium-potassium pumps. When you're under a lot of stress, sodium-potassium is used up by the adrenals. So people crave salt when they're stressed. Your potassium was a little high. That tells me you were in a little bit of fight or flight when this blood draw was done. Your adrenals were really working hard. When I look at what my situation was, I wasn't working. I was resting a lot. I'm having to learn or have learned that there's external stressors. But being ill, it's a lot of internal stress. My immune system's working so hard. And I wonder how much the adrenal fatigue was coming from that internal stress. Possibly all of it. The body doesn't know if you're dodging bullets on the battlefield or if you're training for a marathon or you're in financial stress or emotional stress like a divorce. It only knows we're stressed, mm-hmm. which is why when I deal with a lot of chronically ill people, I ask them not to train for a marathon because you're getting a little energy back kind of thing. The body reacts the same. It goes into fight or flight. And if your immune system is fighting off some sort of illness, Again, that's a physiological internal stress. Yeah, that's a great way to put that. I would even go a step further and say it's an internal 
physiological battle. Yes. Yeah, I would agree. We're not designed to be in adrenal stress for weeks, months, years. The thyroid will slow the adrenals down. Now we're dealing with hypothyroidism because they're inversely proportionate to each other, essentially. So I keep adapting to these pathogens and to Lyme and not necessarily beating the infection and thriving and moving forward. That's totally true. The body's goal is we need to keep you upright. We need to keep you breathing. We need to keep you pooping. We need to keep you moving forward. The body will put its resources towards lung, heart, digestive tract in crises. And this is why we see so many people come in with thinning hair, brittle nails, bad skin. I had all that. These are secondary, third on the level of importance. I've also learned about Lyme and co-infections. The pathogens, they want to keep thriving. And so within the human body, they want you to be upright and not stuck in bed because they want to propagate. Yes. That's so sneaky. That's why we call them stealth pathogens. And then we went over your stool test. I love this GI map stool test because it tells us if you have any pathogens, bacteria, fungus, parasites. The gut has its own microbiome, its own ecosystem. Some of your good bacteria was very high. When it's too high, it tells me it's fighting something. The gastrointestinal lining has inflammation. You had some bad opportunistic bugs. And the acronym that we found for you is SIBO, small intestinal bacterial overgrowth. You did have leaky gut, meaning the gut was inflamed. Things were leaking through the gut into your bloodstream. The gut microbiome is actually a tube from your mouth to your anus. The tube that is your intestinal tract has these very tiny little openings in them that only nutrients should be absorbed through. If that tube is inflamed, it starts to thin. And I want to speak to parasites. I'm still confused about that. There are thousands of parasites that we don't even have names for. The pest goes over 13 or 14 parasites. And most Western medicine doctors will only run the big ones, tapeworm, pinworm. You're going to see those suckers every time you go to the bathroom. In this particular test, I did not have any parasites. Is that correct? Correct. Why am I doing the parasite cleanse? And are there parasites that I'm still killing that didn't show up on this test? I'm so excited to reveal this information. Strap in for this one. Oh, boy. (laughs) Yes, we can have hundreds of microscopic parasites. We're probably exposed to parasites every day, all day. If your gut lining is strong, you just excrete them. If it's weak, you're an opportunistic host. And I asked you about this. I was like, how difficult or easy is it to get parasites? And you said, going to the grocery store, put my hands on the cart. I may get it that way. Everyone that I've talked to says, well, I don't have parasites. And how I come back at that is everybody does. Everybody does. Biting your fingernails, eating sushi without wasabi, pork can have a lot of parasites. Somebody could go to the bathroom, have a parasite, not wash their hands well. They're all around us. Our bodies have lived with parasites for forever. And mainly we were able to handle it. It's okay. But in my situation where I've got all these diagnoses, that's going to bring me down. That's exactly the point I want to drive home. Are you ready to rediscover your spark? Dr. Tanisha Wards offers natural healing backed by science. You can heal the root cause of your chronic fatigue and mystery illness, and you'll receive help from wherever you live. 
Simply go to yourtruthrevealed.com slash infinity. You've probably seen these yogurt commercials that they say 80% of our immune systems in our gut. That's 100% true. I've had patients ask me, why are we running a stool test? I'm going to the bathroom fine. Yes, and if you're not making energy and you've got anxiety and depression, all of those brain chemicals are made in the gut. We got to look at the gut. Exactly. Then we look at your brain chemicals, which again, you ran this lab years ago, which was awesome. I learned that you could actually look at your neurotransmitters. And I know that not all doctors agree with this, but it was a huge deal for me to have this kind of data. The fact that we can do this just blows my mind. Instead of just shooting in the dark. I cover this test in detail with Pam Makamal Helmley in the episodes Know Your Neurotransmitters. I'm going to say a bold statement here. I do not think one psychiatric drug should be prescribed without this test. I do not think anti-anxiety meds should be prescribed. Even sleeping medication should be prescribed without looking at your serotonin dopamine levels and ratios. There's an additional test, the pharmacogenetic test, that is phenomenal. It evaluates your DNA to determine what of any medication would be best for you. And it just costs a few hundred dollars. Yeah. And it tells you, are you going to have the side effects of this medication or is it just not going to work? And it's something that a lot of countries with national health care have implemented. The number one reason for death in the U.S. is medical injury. And in that is drug interactions. So we went over your brain chemistry. Your serotonin was better than it was in 2017, but still low. Your dopamine was a little lower. The adrenal glands, norepinephrine, epinephrine, the ratio was definitely low. This was telling me we're in adrenal fatigue. And then glutamate was a little high. The common theme with your brain chemical imbalances were anxiety, focus, sleep, depression, attention, memory issues. Everything you had going on could have been explained by almost all these tests. We now know, and this is newer data, that most of our serotonin and dopamine and other brain chemicals are made in our gut lining. So if I haven't even the slightest inclination that someone's gut is off, I know their brain chemistry is going to be off. Because if the gut lining is inflamed, it can't make brain chemicals properly. And we get those brain chemicals from food. Yes. Gosh, and it just goes back to the food that we put in our body is so absolutely important. If we want everything to run smoothly, don't do the red dye. A hundred percent. Yeah, and it all matters about what we're putting into and on our body too. To review, we've gone over the blood work, adrenal, stool, and brain chemistry tests. What's the next test? Okay, so the next test it looks like we went over at that point was the mold toxicity report, the mycotoxin test. And this opened up a whole awful can of worms for your life. Can you explain what a mycotoxin mm-hmm. is? Yeah, essentially you're being exposed to mold. That's a mold that can be in a house. It can be on food. Is that also in coffee? It can be. Coffees are very well known to have mold on them. If you ingest the mold or inhale the mold and your body can't detox it very well, it can build up in your body. It essentially turns into what we call a mycotoxin. So it's the particles of the mold your body can't release and it's toxic to your nervous system. The biggest mycotoxin symptoms from mold exposure are probably anxiety, insomnia, and brain fog, which I had. Mm -hmm. So we went over the mycotoxin test and you had two different mycotoxins in your body, ocratoxin A and gliotoxin. 
the high level that you had the gliotoxin, it's probably from water damaged buildings. We had moved into that house 14 months prior to seeing you. It's an older home. 1984 was when it was built. It didn't surprise me that there might be some mold in the house. Central Texas is a lot more common than we think. You told me you got sicker moving into this home. I did. That for me is a big red flag of, uh-oh, we better see what's going on with her environment. That's scary and it's real and people can get deathly ill in a moldy environment. And I think that should be a part of any home inspection. It is visible mold. Like if they see black mold somewhere, right? But not the level that we're finding it hidden. The home mold test that I did is called the ERMI test, E-R-M-I. And it costs just a few hundred dollars. And I would have gladly spent that had I known. One more test that I had already done in 2020 is the nutrigenomic test. It analyzed my DNA to reveal variations in my genes that may cause illness or disease. I could actually see that genetically I was predisposed to have anxiety. And I learned that I'm a poor detoxer. I have a MTHFR genetic mutation. Correct. You had a defect in methylation. And what is methylation? Methylation has to do with your detox pathways. It's essentially the body's ability to recognize and sort what comes into the body. We need to figure out what to detox and what to keep to make energy. Also in that test, we found out that you don't break down histamine very well. Things like airborne allergies, certain histamine foods, specifically mold, can keep you in this inflammatory state. Your body can't break it down as fast as it's coming in. We had all of this data, and I saved the best for last. I remember telling you the Lyme was positive. Tell me what you were feeling then. How did that diagnosis hit? That diagnosis was a big one. It was a mixed bag. Mm -hmm. It was explaining a lot of my symptoms, why I wasn't getting better on my own. On the one hand, I was glad to have that diagnosis. On the other hand, I knew that Lyme is so tricky to treat and there is no absolute cure. The best that I could do was to put it in remission. I knew it would take time and I had no clue how we were going to go about it. But I also was encouraged by the fact that you yourself had Lyme and you were able to put it into remission. Yeah, almost 30 years. I am coexisting with Lyme and I have zero Lyme symptoms. I was sick for a year and it just got worse and worse without any good diagnosis. You can get bit by a tick and it got through the immune system, but it kind of lies dormant. And I'm seeing this almost weekly from post-COVID syndrome long haulers, the ones that aren't getting well. A lot of them have Epstein-Barr virus and Lyme. COVID is an intense disease. It's wiping people's immune systems out. The goal is, and this is what I think I told you, is to coexist with it. Mm -hmm. But if my daughter got bit by a tick tomorrow and she had a rash, which by the way, only 30% of people have the bullseye rash and was flu-like symptoms the next day, I would put her on doxycycline antibiotics. And for how long? So probably three to four weeks. If you can catch it inside six months, you can usually eradicate it. One thing I think to know is that it is a bacteria under a microscope. It's a spirochete bacteria, specifically the name of it is Borrelia burgdorferi. It can hide and go dormant like a virus, but it attacks your body like a parasite does. It attacks the central nervous system. It is a very interesting pathogen and we call them stealth pathogens. 
And it can build something called a biofilm, which is essentially a shell around it for protection. They're smart. I've almost learned to respect them. The biofilm can make them resistant to antibiotics and herbs. And it looks like a corkscrew. Exactly. And what it does is it spirals and it corkscrews in ligaments, muscles, tendons, joints, brain tissue, cerebral spinal fluid, hollowed organs, hollow organs like bladder, which is why I ran a urine test on you, because it can hide in the tissue. When we did the line test, I had you go get a lymphatic drainage massage first because we're stirring up the lymph and the fluid and pushing it into the bladder. And can you explain what a lymphatic massage is? Yeah, it's an interesting massage. It almost feels like the person's doing nothing. And they touch you with the lightest pressure on your skin and it moves the lymph, which is right under your skin. When someone feels puffy, their lymph is congested. And that's right under the skin, the lymphatic drainage massage. They're just pushing that liquid down into the urinary tract and into the GI tract. That's why the line test was a pee test. Yep, it stirs up the bugs that are hiding in the lymph, and then we push them into the bladder. And people are going to be positive if they come back and tell me they felt like they got hit by a truck or they had the flu the day after the lymph massage. After the lymphatic massage, I think I slept for about two or three hours. And I know that you've said if a healthy person were to get that, they would feel pretty good. Yep, they feel light and good. The other thing I want to say about Lyme is it's just so misunderstood, and it really is becoming what I believe an epidemic. It's just not studied or understood enough about what the severity is of chronic Lyme and how debilitating it can be and how intense and hard it is to heal. There's not a lot of money behind the research right now. And it's worldwide. It's happening here in Texas. It's happening in all the states and all the countries. That's a really good point. The last thing I want to talk about the origin of Lyme disease. There was a 5,300-year-old ice mummy discovered in the Eastern Alps about 20 years ago. And new genetic analysis reveals that he's the oldest known case of Lyme disease. When it became popular, when it spread, late 70s, early 80s, an entire community in Lyme, Connecticut of children got deathly ill. They named it idiopathic juvenile arthritis, which is the exact same diagnosis I got as a kid. Idiopathic means we don't know what causes it. Juvenile, it's in kids, arthritis. And, and you it, weren't in the East Coast. I was not. I grew up in Michigan. I got diagnosed 1994. Doctor after doctor, my mom was asking about Lyme disease and they said, oh, that's only in the East Coast. I guess it took stop at borders. <laughs> This doctor found the spirochete, and it is named after Dr. Bergdorferi, but the disease is named after Lyme, Connecticut. Finally, they figured it out, and they started treating these kids, and they got well. That's kind of the origination and the story of where it first was really named. Fifteen years ago, I could tell you, oh, you got that on the East Coast. That one's more common in California. It doesn't matter anymore. Birds migrating is probably the biggest spreading of the disease, and then people. Mm -hmm. To sum it up, <laughs> Lyme is a tricky one to find. It's a tricky one to treat. And no two people's symptoms look the same. I appreciate you spending your life dedicated to treating Lyme, being a functional medicine doctor, giving me the appropriate diagnosis, which nobody else could, and we're still treating it. Thank you. I can't imagine myself doing anything else. I was very angry for a really long time from being so sick at such a young age, but I've made my peace with God and I realized this is why I'm here and accepting that. And thank you. Mm -hmm.
I think I'm on a similar journey now. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's it's not an easy one, but I can't imagine myself doing anything else. Well, I appreciate it. Thank you. Thank you. Your body is designed to heal, and it will when you give it what it needs. You simply need real guidance. You may be tired of having issues like chronic fatigue, anxiety, and GI issues. It's frustrating when you're written off by a traditional medical doctor and told you're fine when you're not. Imagine feeling like yourself again and experiencing optimal health. You want to know the root cause of the issue and regain your spark. This can become your reality. By healing naturally with the Infinity Wave program, you'll be guided to find and fix the core of your symptoms and achieve health again. Simply go to yourtruthreveal.com slash infinity to receive your free ebook and webinar by Dr. Tanisha Wards. You can also apply now for a consult from wherever you live. Let's regain your vitality. In the next episode, Lacey Falls shares her story of having mold toxicity and chronic Lyme disease. I started having kidney problems and eventually ended up in the hospital having surgery on a 10 millimeter kidney stone. That was probably my lowest time with this whole illness. Not only was I having like the physical pain, but also the neurological symptoms where I just thought I was going crazy. But I'm asking my family to push me in a wheelchair and you know, I'm 40 years old. It was a dark moment. Until next time, please subscribe and rate the show. Also, tune in to previous episodes for more on helping you experience empowered healing. I'm Erica Marcoux. Thanks for listening. <laughs>